This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Bill Prater. The book of Romans chapter 15 and in the future. And with the Lord's help, I want to preach to you today under this title. What does a godly pastor look like? I think we've gotten a pretty good view, really, this morning of what a godly pastor looks like. Some years ago, a man named Michael Hart wrote a book that was titled The 100, a ranking of the most influential people in history. Now, don't run out and buy it because none of us are listed there. But there are three people that are listed there that every one of us are familiar with this morning. Jesus, Moses, and Paul. Paul actually came in sixth, just below Confucius. Not a good call. And just above a Chinese guy whose name I couldn't pronounce, who is credited as the producer of paper. Now the fact that the Apostle Paul was included in a list of the 100 most influential people in history should really come as, as no surprise. I mean, you think about it, he wrote 13 books in the New Testament. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. He, more than anyone else, is responsible for having taken the gospel to Europe. He was perhaps the, the greatest uh, missionary to ever walk on the face of the earth, with the exception, of course, of the Lord. I mean, really, Paul was a man whose life changed the course of world history. Now, the life of your pastor may not have changed the course of world history, but there are a lot of you here today because his life has changed the course of your history. We're talking this morning about what a godly pastor looks like, and, and really over the years I've, I've learned that people have some, some pretty crazy ideas, Brother Tony, about how a pastor is supposed to look, how a pastor is supposed to act. I mean, some people have the idea that he ought to be able to condemn sin without ever hurting anybody's feelings. Or that he ought to make minimum wage, wear expensive clothes, have a well-dressed family, drive a nice car, and give more than anyone else to the church. In some people's minds, a pastor ought to be tall and short, thin and heavy set, 26 years old, with 30 years of ministry experience. Others think he should have a burning desire to work with the teenagers and spend all his time with the old people. He ought to be someone who smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to his work. To some, a godly pastor makes 15 calls a day on church members, spends all of his time evangelizing the lost, and he never leaves the office. The truth of the matter is, there are no two pastors the same. They don't all preach alike. They don't all act alike. Some are funny, some are more serious, some can sing, some can just make a joyful noise, some have really, really good hair. And some, let me tell you, my theory is this, God doesn't put marble tops on cheap furniture. Amen. Amen. That's, uh, that's my story. That's my, uh, that's my theme. You know, pastors are, 
are really so different in so many ways. But at the same time, they all share certain traits. At least the godly ones do. And I believe in our text that Paul, that our text gives us a window into Paul's ministry. And through that window, I believe we can see this morning a picture of a godly pastor. Look at verse 14 if you would, Romans 15 verse 14 where we see the godly pastor's heart. Paul said, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. So Paul says some very commendable things here about the believers in the the church at Rome. He says that they were full of goodness. He says that they were full of, uh, uh, with, with knowledge. He says that they were able to admonish or, or to teach or instruct one another. Now here's what's interesting about that verse. If you were to go back and read chapter 14, you're going to find that Paul delivered some very passionate words of correction to those that he just said those nice things about. Because there were some things going on in the church at Rome that were causing division in the church. The church at Rome had a lot of problems. The reason it had a lot of problems because it had a lot of people. And if you haven't figured this out yet, where you have people, you're going to have problems. But here's the point I want to make this morning. Paul was able to look beyond the problems. And he was able to say these nice things about his friends at Rome because he loved them. Now, he knew they weren't perfect. He knew they had issues. He knew they had problems, but he loved them. He loved them in spite of their humanness. He loved them in spite of their weakness. He loved them in spite of their sinfulness because that's what godly pastors do. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8, maybe the guys can put it up there. Thank you for doing that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8. We read this about Paul's love for those in the church at Thessalonica. He said, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. In that verse, I think we see the difference between a preacher and a pastor. A preacher gives you a sermon. A pastor gives you his soul. A preacher's there for you on Sunday. A pastor's there for you on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday too. Yes, who's going to meet you at the hospital in the wee hours of the morning when there's a family emergency? It's not going to be a preacher. It's going to be a pastor. You're not going to get a call from, uh, uh, you're not going to call a preacher when you have marriage problems. You're going to call a pastor. It's going to be your pastor who weeps with you and prays with you and counsels with you. It's going to be a pastor who rejoices with you in your victories. And it was there to pick you up in your defeats. 
Because that's what godly pastors do. Can I show you something this morning from the book of 2 Corinthians? Chapter 12 and verse 15. Something that unfortunately has been the experience of every godly pastor I know. Maybe the saddest verse in all the Bible for a pastor. 2 Corinthians 12, 15, Paul said, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love, the less I be loved. Can I be real with you for just a minute? This has got to be the most difficult part pastoral ministry. You give and you give and you give. And you love and you love and you love. And it seems the more you give out, sometimes the less you get back. I can't tell you how many pastors have shared their heart with me about pouring themselves into people. I'm talking about their, their, their time and their energy and their effort and some of them, even their resources. And it being those same people who find it so easy to turn on them and to criticize them. And to write unkind letters to them. But as one pastor wrote, love isn't surprised when close friends fail. Isn't surprised when promises aren't kept. Isn't surprised when others write unkind letters. And isn't surprised when we are criticized unfairly. Fervent love expects others to fail, expects to be hurt, and expects to be used unfairly. So, it just goes on. That's what godly pastors do. They just go on loving even though they're weeping. They just go on loving while they're praying. And they just go on loving even though they're falsely accused. And when they're sitting in their office all alone, just them and the Lord, they just go on loving when they try to figure out what in the world did I do. Before I leave this thought, I want to say a little something about loving your pastor. I want to share three observations with you, and then if you've got a piece of paper and a pen, I want you to write down some things. And here's here's my first observation about pastoral ministry. There are more church members who love their pastor than who don't. And I know that's true at Buford Road Baptist Church just like it is at Fellowship Baptist Church. Brother Tony, in those dark and and difficult days of ministry, we got to be reminded of it. I mean, my, look at what's happened today. Listen, I've got my naysayers in Liberal Kansas. I've got my critics. 
I'll be real honest with you. There are so many more people who love me than who don't. There's observation number two. Church members don't often express their love for their pastor. If you love your pastor, let him know it. Not just today. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. But six months from now, when it's just another day, tell him to his face. Send him an email. Shoot him a text. Slide a gift card to his favorite restaurant under the door of his office. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just do it. And here's why you need to let him know, and this is observation number three, because the critics and naysayers often drown out the voices of those who love their pastor. Though usually in the minority, the negative people always tend to be more vocal and more visible in their show of non-support of the pastor than those who love and support him. Let me give you some ways to love your pastor. It's already been stated today. Love his wife. Behind every good man, there's a good woman and a very surprised mother-in-law. Few things will encourage this man more than when you love those that he loves. There's no way that I could do what I do without my wife. She is a valuable part of my ministry. And I know it's the same with your pastor and his wife. Pastors' wives really are the unsung heroes of the ministry. Number two, love his children. I'd have a whole lot more to say about this this morning if they weren't already grown. But even at that, they're still his children. Love them. It encourages him when you do. Number three, love is preaching. I'm not talking about his style or his mannerisms or his charisma. I'm not talking so much about the content. I'm talking about, or I am talking about the content. I'm talking about what he labors over and what he prays over and what he prepares for you each and every week. I know people dog us about only working one day a week. But if they only knew all it took to get ready for that one day, people would be surprised, really, at what it takes to prepare just one sermon. Just as your pastor is encouraged when you love those that he loves, he is encouraged when you acknowledge your love for his preaching, it does something to a pastor when he knows that he's preaching to people who want to hear God's word preached. So be sincere whether you mean it or not. So, Number four, love with your faithfulness. I understand you don't do what you do for the pastor. You do it for the Lord. 
But if you love the Lord, you'll be faithful to your church and to your ministry responsibilities. And being faithful to your church and your ministry responsibilities is a huge blessing to your pastor. Believe me. And number five, this is a strange one. Love him with your complaints. Oh, now you're talking my language. Love him with your complaints. Stay with me. Out of all of the pastors I know personally, and I know a lot of them, none of them are perfect. Or even claim to be perfect. Including this one, or this one. Tell my people at home, you think you have things to criticize. You ought to see my list. There are things you don't even know about. I'm not perfect. Your pastor is fallible. And he'll be the first one to tell you. But listen to me. If you love him, you'll learn to come to Him privately in all humility and grace and love when you have a concern. I knew the first time I met this man, he is not unapproachable. Some pastors are. They're unapproachable. This man is not. And he knows he doesn't always do everything right. And it's okay if you have a concern, if you have a question, if you have a complaint. Listen, we're in the people business. We understand that. Anyone who truly loves their pastor will not be involved in gossip and trash talking. Number six, love him when you don't understand him. You see, as pastors... We're often involved in all the intricate details of other people's lives. And we are privy to things about a person or about a situation that we simply cannot share. Things we cannot divulge. And unfortunately, it's in, it's in these times when misunderstandings grow. Well, why aren't you why aren't you doing something about this? Or 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 why aren't you putting a stop to that? Or or, or when are you going to deal with this problem or with that problem? And there's usually a good answer, an acceptable answer to those kinds of questions. But sometimes because of the nature of things, your pastor just can't give those answers. Without divulging information that that may compromise the situation and really make it worse. So loving even when you don't understand him. And just believe after all these years that whatever he does he does with the church's best interest at heart. And number seven, real quick, love Him for a long time. A church who will set their heart on loving their pastor for a long time is a wise church. Not just putting up with Him, but loving Him. 
Love him in the ways I just mentioned. Because it will be to Buford Road Baptist Church's benefit to love your pastor for a long time. Because almost any church that is doing anything for the Lord is being pastored by a man who has loved his people for a long time. And those people have loved him back. Look at verse 15 real quick, would you? Nevertheless, brethren, I have, uh, I have written the more boldly unto you uh, in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. We see the pastor's plan here. It's not easy to say exactly what a, what a pastor does because he does so many different things and no day in the ministry is ever the same. But there is one thing that he must do and that is he must preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. I've mentioned some things already about uh, that are involved in, in being a godly pastor but all of them must, church understand this, all of them must take a back seat to the preaching of God's Word. It is every pastor's responsibility to be given to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Paul talks in this verse about reminding the Romans of some things. And, and I'll tell you, one of the, the challenges of a long-term pastorate is figuring out how to say the same thing in a different way. And how to do it over and over and over again. And I can take you to at least eight or ten verses of Scripture where, where, where Paul or Peter talks about reminding the people of God. You know, why, you, you know why a pastor has to constantly remind people of some things from God's Word? Because number one, people are forgetful. Number two, people are easily distracted. And number three, people think they know more than they do. God bless pastors who do not endlessly chase after new ideas and the latest fads, but faithfully and creatively and repeatedly with much love and much courage and much wisdom remind their people of those great gospel truths that save the soul and nourish the heart and renew the mind so that that church is full of transformed people. Then we look at verse 16. We see the godly pastor's desire that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And I wish I had time to really labor this point this morning but I love the way Paul illustrates his ministry to the Gentiles and, and expresses his heart's desire. If you caught what I just read there, he presents himself as a priest offering up a sacrifice. But it's not, it's not a dead sacrifice of the Old Testament. They were living sacrifices. They were the Gentiles who had been saved as a result of his preaching ministry. And he said, my desire is to be able one day to lift them up and to present them before the Lord. 
godly pastor doesn't use people to build his ministry. He uses his ministry to build people. To a godly pastor, the ministry is not about big buildings and big offerings and big crowds. It's about being able to offer up to the Lord those souls who He has had a part in reaching either through His uh, preaching ministry or through His personal soul winning. And compared to the honor of presenting men and women to the Lord Jesus Christ, this world has nothing to offer a godly pastor. He's all about preparing people for eternity. And I tell you, that's a lot more important than many things that some pastors seem to be living for today. And then we see the godly pastor's motivation in verses 17 and 18. Let me just say what his motivation is. It's the glory of God. That's all this pastor wants. Is to glorify God. To one day, Hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In our conference room, back at the church in Liberal, we've got this huge, I don't know what plaque or I don't know what you call it, but it's titled The World's Greatest Want. And I've adapted it a little bit for the service this morning. It says, The greatest one of the world is the one of a godly pastor. A pastor who will not be bought or sold. A pastor who in his inmost soul is true and honest. A pastor who does not fear to call sin by its right name. A pastor whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole. A pastor who will stand for the right, though the heavens fall. You listen to Pastor Bill Prater. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.